All right, guys, welcome to the Tropical Storm Cindy uh, edition of Under the Dome. Um, I'm actually in New Orleans, so, and this thing looks like it's going to probably go up around Lafayette area, so, but I'm, well, since we're on the eastern side of it, that means I'm going to get a wet butt tomorrow. Um, so right now we're dealing with little fans of rainstorms going through, but so far, no no significant wind or anything like that. So sure, all should be fine for the broadcast today, and all should be good tomorrow. Um, happy belated Father's Day to all you fathers out there. I'm wearing my uh, my Father's Day present. I got my Michael Talbot nice. jersey, as you can see. Uh, very happy with that. How are you doing tonight, Sean? Do you have your Father's Day present on? Yes, I did. As a matter of fact, I want everybody to take a look at this. I have the most awesome people in my life. Uh, Michelle Williams, my wife, and, and Jennifer Albright, uh, they gave me this uh, Friday night to, to wear as I went to uh, Louisiana College on Saturday for the uh, Future Stars League All-Star Game, which was... Uh, the event that we have co-sponsored with, uh, you got hands, uh, uh, who else? Duck Commander, Under Armour, Mississippi State Troopers Association. Um, this is the event that we've been talking about since, uh, well, basically since February, uh, that we've been involved with, with, uh, Hollywood, Joe Horn, uh, and finally, uh, I got the opportunity to meet the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Joe Horn. Uh, and it, it was really, it was hilarious. It, it, being inside my head, although scary most of the time, uh, Saturday, it, I couldn't help but kind of chuckle to myself because he, this, uh, this extended cab truck drives up. And the, the passenger door swings up, and then he gets out. Says, oh, wow, there's Joe Horn. And he walks up to me and introduces himself. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I don't know who you are. Uh, but I have to tell you, if you ever have the opportunity to meet Joe Horn, uh, you know, and I put this on Facebook the other night. So many times... Uh, especially it seems in the field of in the world of sports you get the opportunity to meet these guys that you you kind of idolized at one point in time times you get to meet your heroes and it winds up being uh, kind of a situation where you wish that you hadn't because seeing them and around them in person dashes the image that you once had of them I can tell you with all sincerity, uh, meeting Joe Horn on, uh, on this past Saturday, uh, he is absolutely the coolest dude that there ever has been. Joe was so down to earth and real and accommodating that, uh, I mean, he, he stood and talked to me for maybe 45 minutes, uh, and uh, even after the game was over, when there were so many things going on, he took the time to stop and to, uh, to thank me and, uh, and our show for being involved in the way that we did uh, and hopefully looking forward to being involved uh, in some way next year as well. I'll take this opportunity also, before I get far ahead of myself, I want to thank Kimberly Gant, Terrell Bean, and of course, Joe Horn, for allowing us the opportunity to involve with such a worthwhile event. Uh, the kids worked their hearts all out, and uh, all this time I've kind of uh, exercised the hashtag "Break Street" because the Louisiana All Stars, up to this point in time, had never beaten the Mississippi All Stars, and this weekend, uh, I am very happy to report that the Louisiana All Stars behind my man, Gavin Richard, the man, the uh, running back, the young man from Church Point, 
uh, middle school that came through our uh, Monroe tryout uh, scored three touchdowns and one two-point conversion, leading the Louisiana All-Stars, also known as Hot Hands team, uh, a 22 to nothing victory over the Mississippi All-Stars, which was Team Future Stars. Uh, so hats off to the guys, uh, especially Gavin Richard, who was awarded the uh, most valuable player for the game as well. But uh, thank – and I especially thank ours, Marty Skull, because he took the time out of his, out of his schedule to uh, to come by and say hi. It was, uh, it was awesome to meet him. Um, but – uh, moving right along, we want to thank our sponsors, the Fan First Productions team. Uh, we want to invite everyone to go to iTunes and to subscribe to our channel and, and our podcast. And also to Facebook, uh, Underdome Podcast page. Uh, we have 1,200 plus followers at this point. Always looking to upgrade that thank you guys so much for your support and without any further ado uh to the regular viewers of the under the podcast this is someone that you guys all know uh i'm not going to say all too well um but this is one of my guys uh he worked he writes uh for who that dish he's a regular contributor there and as far as that goes uh Tyler Raymond, tell us about the, the new project that, uh, that you have going on now. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. As always, uh, it's always been a pleasure here, uh, you know, talking with you and Alan. So I just want to get that out of the way. But yeah, I am pleased to announce that Who That Dish now has a podcast called the Who That Dish Podcast. Myself, Along with Dayton Brown, who also writes on Who That Dish. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it tonight, but I'm here on both of our behalfs. Um, yeah, every uh, Monday uh, afternoon, we cover the New Orleans Saints on a podcast uh, through Who That Dish. So I'm happy to announce that. Good deal. <clears throat> so you're already into your second podcast. How's it been so far? Um, it's been a lot more, uh, than I expect, you know, when you first, um, you know, my only experience so far at doing anything podcast related was being on your podcast, you know, and so it's a lot different from, um, being a guest, uh, compared to switching roles and being a host and getting everything set up from the, uh, just the guests and everything. But, um, it's a blast. So Dayton's a phenomenal guy to work with and, you know, you guys are, you, you guys definitely set the bar high. So, um. We're trying to follow your footsteps as far as that goes, but no, I love it though. So I love writing food at dish. I love doing this. So it's a limbo bar, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that now. But. Don't tell um, people that we actually like what we do. Yeah, <laughs> no. that's right. That that that's the myth of the uh, the legend there. Yeah. Um, you you have uh, so far you've had one guest, I believe, uh, Todd your editor yep. at WDD. Um, who do you have? Uh, you've, you've been telling me, uh, you know, for those who don't know, Tyler and I are very close friends. Uh, I'm very fortunate in that I've, uh, I've been, so to speak, along for the ride watching this young man develop into a very, very talented young man. Uh, not only in terms of this podcast, but as a writer as well. I'm very proud of what Todd has developed in. Uh, but you've been telling me uh, off air, so to speak, what uh, some of the plans that you have moving forward through the podcast. You want to share any of that with our audience? Absolutely. So, um, first off, I want to thank you. Um, I don't know where I'd be without you, especially Sean. So, but um. Our uh, our plans right now is just again to uh, host every um, a Monday afternoon. We plan to have a lot of different guests coming on, including you guys, who I'm very proud to announce that we plan to have you guys on eventually. So stay tuned for that. But as far as that goes, we just take it uh, you know one podcast uh, 
per week, and we go from there. It might not always be perfect, but we try to make it work. So, fun. Okay. Um, uh, so, what kind of things are y'all going to be looking at doing in the future as far as your podcast? You kind of take it as it goes with this, because right now we're getting ready to hit the dead part of the off season. Yeah. Uh, OTAs wrapped up. Uh, we're going to be dealing with about six weeks now of um, basically little or no activity. Yeah. We're waiting to hear something on um, on uh, Nick Fairley, but I doubt we'll hear anything before camp opens. Um, so, what kind of things y'all have planned to kind of get people interested to, to check out your podcast? Well, um, it's really funny we think about it. The, you know, the time we really started, unlike you guys, um, we sort of started at that dead point. But mm -hmm. me, uh, Day, and I are going to try to keep things interesting. You know, we we're really fond about doing things that are really innovative and creative. We're going to try to have uh, try to implement different segments, whether that be. Um, uh, example, for example, our last podcast, we had uh, the Thunderdome. Uh, players entered for one starting position, and only one man you know, left. So just little things like that we try to do. But it's going to be fun, though. We're going we're to try you know, to put our best foot forward. So. Okay. Well, Todd, I'll yeah. tell you, uh, you've been like a brother to me over these past several <laughs> Thank you, man. Years, uh, Thank you. There's... There's been ups, there's been downs. Uh, I'm really, really proud of not only uh, who you are, but what you've accomplished. And, and look forward to uh, to following your career as it progresses. Aww. Thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Okay, buddy, you gonna uh, you gonna stick around and with us for a little while, then? Yeah, sure. I love talking football, so I'll, I'll be on as long as you guys uh, want me to be. So. <laughs> okay, well, um, this week it, for the New Orleans Saints, uh, I guess probably the overriding um, negative that we've experienced, uh, if you really want to think about it, has been the news coming out uh, probably late in the week last week that, excuse me, that Teron Armstead is uh, suffering from a torn labrum and will to have uh, corrective or reconstructive surgery on that, which will put him probably in the neighborhood of four to six months on the shelf. Uh, now, if I understood everything correctly, Alan, um, from, from what we've heard, everything moving between the draft and now, the number 32 pick, Ramsey, he is a natural left tackle, correct? Yes, he played left tackle in college, correct. Uh, okay, so am I missing something where it, all this uh, paranoid finding a high ledge to jump from? Uh, <clears throat> what's the likelihood of, uh, for lack of a better term to use, a plug-and-play with Ramsey? Uh, obviously – gonna be uh be even there but in terms of a an immediate answer for the problem that we're faced with is that one well here's the thing uh the biggest the biggest fear is now you're talking about putting a rookie <clears throat> that you drafted ostensibly to play on the right side and probably play you know to get a season's worth of NFL conditioning, NFL education before he's ready to take over for Streif on the right side. You're going to try and plug him on the left side, um, which is Drew Brees' blind side. Yeah. Uh, now, in this case, we've already had a season where we've missed Armstead for most of the year last year with nagging knee injuries and so forth. This particular injury happened while – during the OTAs, uh, he tore his labrum in practice. Um, so this is not a weight room. This is not an off-seat, you know, a, a uh, non-football-related injury. This is something he did at the facility. The negative on Ramshack is uh, that he also is coming off of an injury. He's coming off of a hip injury that bothered him uh, at the end of his college career. So 
he hasn't even signed his contract yet because he has to pass a team physical. Um, that doesn't, it, there's nothing in there to say that he won't be ready to play. Sean Payton's not a big fan of starting rookies. Um, well, if you I mean, think about. I, I, I get that. It's understandable. Uh, when you're dealing with. Uh, or, let me see. What's the word I'm looking for? When you're dealing with such a high priced commodity as protecting Drew Brees' blind side. Yeah, that's. Mm -hmm. uh, that's somewhat of an important gig, you know. Yeah. But at the same well, time, uh, you drafted a first-round offensive lineman for a purpose. Now, I, yeah. in in terms of kind of outside looking in, the purpose that you drafted Ramchick for, in all likelihood, to replace Street mm -hmm. when uh, his at this point going into his season, when that's over with, you want Ramsick to step in there. You, you had no uh, no forethought toward losing Toronto at this point. But as, you're, as I mentioned a minute ago, you're putting this guy back into his natural college position. And B, you're not looking, you're not you're position is not where uh, well for example last year cornerbacks week two you're signing guys off the street to yeah. play cover corner yeah. at the, the highest level possible uh, one of the things well I was just going to say one of the things you have to keep in mind uh, since 2006, um, I want to say it's the Saints have had six different left tackles. It started out with Jamal Brown, then we went to uh, Bushrod. Then after Bushrod, we had um, Charles Brown. We had the I've seen enough moment, and Armstead came in. And last year, we had Pete in the meantime you've also had guys come in for various injuries and so forth you know you had uh calamente play left tackle for one for for a game um you had you've had filling guys like you've got in this i'm not putting out armstead or any of the guys who played left tackle very well it's not like you're going from willie rofe to daryl terrell the uh, the official turnstile of the offensive line. You're not going to that. Now, one of the things people I've read a lot of people say is, well, okay, we'll just go ahead and kick Pete back over to the left tackle position and we'll play some money at left guard again. Uh, Calamente, Jack Allen, um, the guy, I can't think of his name right now, from North Carolina last year who's on the roster. Wait, it's better. Uh, there we go. Yeah, you've got – You've got several options you can do at guard. Here's my issue with that thinking, though. Okay, so you're talking about reconstructing basically from the center to the left tackle position now with moving guys around, okay? Because, we, you know, we have Unger out with the foot injury, and allegedly he's going to be ready for the third preseason game. He probably won't be ready till the first regular season game. Uh, he may practice and so forth, but I doubt they'll put him out there uh, – for any of the preseason games. So you've got a question mark at center. And we signed a center the other day, or yesterday, uh, Watt from the Chargers. Yep. So there's some concern about who's going to play center. If you move Pete to left tackle and make Pete play left tackle again, now you've created another bit of uncertainty. Plus, you've got Pete playing left tackle. I think it's better Saints cohesion, offensive cohesion-wise, Leave Pete at guard, play a tackle, whether it be Khalif Barnes or Ramsick or someone at left tackle, and hopefully Unger will be there for the first for the first regular season game. So you have at least some level of cohesion. I do not want to see the entire left side of the offensive line a puzzle again where we're constantly moving pieces around to try and fix – you know, get a good, decent offensive line 
to play week one against the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. So, Absolutely. I, I, I completely agree that. I completely agree with you. Uh, and <clears throat> a lot, you know, all this time I've been saying when it comes to AP and Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, don't read too much in Hello. Oh, we lost your picture. Don't read too much into it. Don't uh, don't think that there's more to it than meets the eye. They're going to yeah. play their role, and this offense is going to be this offense. But at the same time, when it comes down to developing a good and cohesive unit on that offensive line, if you stop and you think about what the tools are that we have our woodshed to work with now, it's never been as important. Uh, if you go back over the past four to five seasons, it's never been as important as it is right now to get that problem mm-hmm. to and, and solved. Would you say that's an accurate assessment? I, I believe so. And Tyler, you were getting ready to say something uh, right yeah. before Sean started. Go ahead. Uh, yes, and I'll, okay. and I'll finish up some stuff. Okay. So, um, in my opinion, I think right now, until someone else steps forward, you have three guys, you know, to replace Armstead. You have Calamete, who can play multiple positions. You have um, Andrews Pete. But the thing is with Pete is he hasn't exactly been phenomenal when he gets moved to a certain posi- to another position. Usually he plays best when he's fixed at one position. In this case, he plays the best right now at guard. And then you have Ramchek. But the point I want to make about Ramchek is uh, he hasn't experienced, as great as he was uh, for Wisconsin, he hasn't experienced premier defensive events in the NFL. We all know that. When a certain player comes from, uh, you know, college to NFL, there's a, bit of, there's a bit of a step, a bit of a transition for, you know, the next level. And, you know, Ramchek hasn't faced players like Vic Beasley from Atlanta. Or, for example, week one, I think we played Danielle Hunter, who did really well last, last season as a defensive end. So all depends on what they're going to do. But it's really interesting to find out who's going to be plugged in there, you know, fun. Well, and here, here's my thing. I'm glad this, if it's going to happen, I'm glad it happened in June. Yeah. Yep. And not, Versus like halfway through the season. Not, you know, yeah, not, uh, I don't know, week four of the preseason <laughs> or the week of, you know, week one, where we got to figure out who our left tackle is going to be for Monday Night Football. Uh, you've got time. You've got time to yep. work these guys. And, there are left tackles out there that are options. You know, Khalif Barnes isn't yeah. – uh, he's not Daryl Terrell. He's not going to be a living turnstile. He's not um, uh, some of the really horrible tackles the Saints have had over the years. And Sean Payton and his coaching staff are going to work on, you know, around it. blocking schemes to help him. You know, that's really uh, bad. The best thing, yeah. yeah, the best thing can well, happen, though, honest, is – I'll be honest with you. My initial reaction when someone, when I first got the uh, the update that uh, oh, I'm drawing. Armstead. Armstead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it, it when you get old, it's just like uh, brains, just like an etchy sketch. If you turn too fast. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's all uh, good. When I first first received the uh, the update on Armstead. My initial gut reaction spur of the moment was, so what else is new? You haven't played with him in the past two years. Right. Yeah. Th- again, yeah, like like I was saying from the outset, this is not like this is totally unfamiliar ter- territory for the Saints. Um, in 2009, uh, Jamal Brown was coming off of a Pro Bowl season, blew his knee out. So the Saints put, uh, put Bushrod in. Bushrod was a uh, – third or fourth round pick out of Townsend in 2007 had never even seen the field, not even as a tackle eligible or anything. He was basically a healthy scratch for his rookie year and in 2008. So we're talking about replacing a pro bowl left tackle, blindside left tackle, and you plug in a guy who has never played in a regular NFL uh, season game. And what happened that year? 
not only get a fine job, but the Saints wins in the Super Bowl. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to say that. Okay, Armstead's not here. Fine. We're gonna we're gonna put an offensive line together to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, we had Carl Nix. Uh, Nix was on the cusp of becoming the great player that he was going to become. You had um, uh, Jari Evans hitting his stride. You had an experienced center in Goodwin. Um, you know, and you had uh, uh, oh come on, number seventy-eight. Does, no, no, the uh, the offensive lineman from Georgia from set, number seventy-eight does the preseason games. Uh, come on, John Stitchcomb. Thank you. Again, I froze on that one. John Stitchcomb. So, and he was <laughs> he was a Pro Bowler as well. So, I mean, you know, you had a lot of help around Bushrod for him to get better. Uh, you all remember the famous play in the Super Bowl where, um, uh, you know, Bushrod gives up the only sack to. Uh, uh, now I'm drawing a blank on his name too. The man with the bad ankle. Um, well. Well, you, you know, it, if you think about it, it all goes back to the age-old uh, thing, the, the Wally Pip thing. You never mm -hmm. know what the backup has to offer until the center goes down. Yeah. You know, uh, while, I mean, it, it may be Tony Hills going down, and it may be Willie Rofe going down. You got two opposite ends of the spectrum there. Careers are made in those moments. Uh, you want uh, you want proof of that? Look at uh, the the St. Louis Rams. Uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, Kurt Warner. Anyway, stepping in for uh, Trent Green. Yeah, Trent Green. Yeah. I know where you're going with this. Trent Green blows out his knee, and Kurt is, Warner. Uh, is cashing in their their frequent flyer miles to go home because the season's over. Yeah. Warner comes in, and the end result of that uh, fast a couple of months is Super Bowl title. Yeah, you never know what these guys have to offer. <clears throat> uh, you never know what they can contribute until they get the opportunity. To, like I said, uh, bottom line, careers are made in these moments. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to tempt the NFL football gods uh, with any more injuries. But yeah, nope. Fortunately, the offensive line is one of the positions <laughs> we actually have significant depth at. So we're, we're not. It's not panic time for me yet, but another injury, and it will be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you right know, now, we can absorb look, this setback. Looking back over the past, I want to say uh, four to five. I can't remember exactly what the scope of what I looked at was, but over the past four to five seasons, between the, the NFL draft and Week One opening day, all the Saints lose three starters. Now. A out for a month type of injury that may be a season ending ECL whatever, but on average it's three every year over the past four to five seasons. Well, uh, injuries injuries happen, and yeah. every team goes through them. Um, yep. The Atlanta Falcons last year were the only team in the NFL as out of thirty two teams. And every guy on the offensive line started all 16 games. <laughs> and lucky. Alex, yeah, and Alex Mack breaks his leg or gets a fracture in his leg in the NFC Championship game, and that bothers him in the Super Bowl. So, you know, injuries are going to happen. I know a lot of people look at this and go, you know, yep, here we go, crappy training staff. You know, this is what's, this is what's wrong with the Saints because the Pelicans are in the same kind of shape, the NBA team. The Pelicans go through injuries too. It seems like the entire team's always injured, um, especially the star players. You know, and, and my response always to that is, yes, it happens, but it happens to every team. The difference is the depth. Who's coming off the bench to play? And this goes to what your point was, Sean. If you can get 
somebody out there who will come in and take over and be just as good, if not better, than the player he's replacing, then you suddenly look like a team that's, you know, a genius. You've got the Wally Pitt kind of player. Um, yeah. I don't know if that'll happen. I don't think it'll happen. But I think we do have players who can play and are going to make sure this offense doesn't miss a beat, not going to get Drew Brees killed and that kind of thing. We do have – uh, Well, I mean, if you look at it historically, there's a reason why the Wally example is so old. Sure. It hasn't happened since. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't happen all that often. Uh, no. But, you know, as Alan mentioned earlier, I think that it's, it's – uh, it can be looked at as a positive thing that it happens now because no. uh, you get into week one and you – have an issue with a four to six month loss of a player. You're talking about a whole season shot there. Yeah, and mm-hmm. to go off what you said, guys, uh, I'm looking at right now the um, ourlads.com has a pretty accurate description of what the Saints have right now as far as the offensive line goes. You know, we did add Chris Watt, who can play guard and center. As far as that goes, you know, obviously with the loss of uh, Armstead and um, Unger, but we also have players like uh, Josh Larivius who can play center, John Fullington, uh, you know, like you said, uh, Alan Cleef Barnes. We have Landon Turner, <laughs> Jack Allen. So we do have a lot of different players. You know, like you said, it may not be perfect, but you know, we'll make do with what we have until hopefully our starters come back. So right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's it's not doomsday. It's the end of the world. Yep. <laughs> Doomsday comes when, when Drew Brees gets hurt. Yeah, when Drew Brees gets knocked out. Yep. When Michael Thomas gets knocked out. Oh no. You know, nope. Doomsday is yeah. Doomsday is when you are signing running or backs Cam off Jordan. the street. Oh, Cam Jordan gets knocked out. You're <laughs> yep. signing running backs off the street because all of your running backs are injured. That's Doomsday. <laughs> you know, that's when the Saints don't have problems. So we, we, let's let's. Hold off on, you know, uh, moving the clock hand that much close to midnight in June. We have a little time to see what shakes out between now and then. Um, I kind of touched on it briefly, but fairly uh, no news on this. He's still he's getting that third opinion, and some fans are taking the, the approach that the longer this goes, the less likely it is he's going to play. Um, I guess I look at it like everything else when it comes to the Saints. They don't tell you anything unless they absolutely have to tell you, especially when it comes to injuries. And I'm sure this third doctor, since he has the time, is going through every test imaginable to see. And since you've got the time, you you can, and anyone who knows that can't go to the doctor, and Sean, you can attest to this for sure, um, it's, it's, it seems forever before you get the results back from some of these tests. Um, yeah. You know, so my attitude is the longer this plays out, it doesn't mean one way or another that, you know, that fairly either is or, is or isn't going to play. All it means is they're doing as many tests as they can because they can. Um, well, you know, like I said last you know, I don't mean to seem callous. I don't mean to seem feeling. Uh, after all, I, you know, not to pat me on the back or anything, but you know, I'm the one that said let us, uh, let's all for the well-being of Nick Fairley. But at the same time, the New Orleans Saints in a professional sense, the only the only option that are that they have in this particular situation is to close ranks and carry on as if Nick Fairley is not going to be on the field. Um, yeah. And that being said, you know, you prepare for that eventuality and should come, you're prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Come. That's a bonus. Yeah. Well, you signed Tony McDaniel. Um, and we have other ones, and, too. 
Yeah, and McDaniel really is more of a zero technique or the nose guard, nose tackle kind of player, more than a, a three technique guy. But again, it's just competition. I think even Davidson right now is nursing yep. an injury, uh, but he should be ready for camp. And you know, only so, Amata too. Sorry, yes, David only Amata. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, there there Tyler. are options they can do. And Tyler, uh, oh, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry, Alan. Go ahead. No, no, no. You, you go ahead and ask you why, because I'm I'm just finishing up a point. What's up? <laughs> this this wet delay is killing me, man. Uh, <laughs> Tyler, you've been uh, a special attention to the OTA. Do you have any any sort of new notes that you wanna uh, you wanna share based on the storylines coming out of the OTAs a week ago? Um, at this point, I would just keep interested in all the battles right now. Uh, as far as all that news goes, you know, the Saints are still trying to figure out a lot of the different positions, you know, as far as uh, who's going to start, especially with all these injuries. But um, I guess any headlines I would keep aware of is how specific players are doing on defense. I guess one player I would keep an eye on is Stephon Anthony. He's doing really well. Apparently, from that's what, oh, that's what I've heard. You know, apparently Mike Nolan's getting to him. And I was reading an article the other day. I forget by who, but... Um, I think uh, Mike Nolan, how he's different from everyone else in regards to linebacker coaches these days are he'll approach every single player differently and say, look, how do you like to learn this? Or how do you process? How do you communicate to this defense how uh, a specific players or a play is or how you communicate it? So I think that's really interesting, especially considering um, all, of, uh, all of what Stephon Anthony was going through last year. Well, that would be one headline I keep aware of if anything comes out. But um, one of the one of the big names we heard, at least in the minicamp portion, um, was uh, Alvin Kamara. Yeah, uh, he uh, he apparently really Broke good, drew a lot of oohs and ahs. Yeah, he drew a lot of yeah. oohs and ahs at the uh, at the game at the. At the mm-hmm. Not only the game, the, the seven on seven skeleton, yeah. eleven on eleven skeleton drills and those things. Where he Breaking was really, ankle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and unfortunately, when it comes to the Saints, when you <laughs> tell somebody that um, Kamara just broke Manti Teo's ankles, <laughs> like, oh god, yeah, yeah right, hurts. And it's like, right. no, 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 it's an expression. You know? Yeah, a good expression. Um, you know? Yes. So you know, uh, and you can kind of see already. Um, how Kamara is going to fit, how he is definitely going to be. And I think this is the same plan they had for Christian McCaffrey. If they had been lucky enough to draft him, um, the kind of role he's going to play, he's going to be that uh, Pierre Thomas, Reggie Bush, uh, Darius kind of player, yeah, where the, the screen pass will be back in the offense, the uh, little arrow routes, the little underneath stuff, the wheel routes, all those little patterns to kind of make up as an extended handoff. And, of course, we've heard nothing but praise from Drew Brees, from Sean Payton, from everybody about what kind of shape and what kind of condition um, Adrian Peterson is and how the defense is just in awe of him. Um, Well, you know, know, I I don't – It's going to be interesting to see. more than coincidence that – Every since uh, what year was it when Pearls uh, left? Um, uh, twenty fourteen after the twenty fourteen season. Oh, okay. Ever since then, the the running narrative it never seems to <laughs> it never fails. You know, it's only a matter of when Darren Sproles makes a a special teams play and gets in the end zone, catches a pass, and jukes his way in. It's always the same when it comes to the quote-unquote who that nation. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we should have never let him. Ever since he left, we've been looking for quote-unquote that yes, next please, Darren Sproles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be totally honest with you, in, in my, my most accurate and uh, sincere evaluation, there has not been a player to come out of the NCAA that is more Darren Sproles-like 
than Darren Sproles. Is that did I say that right, Alan? <laughs> yeah. There, there has well, you been know, Darren Sproles type. No. Since Darren no, Sproles that, until Kamal came along. Yeah. And you. Every, everybody in New Orleans has said, "Oh, you need Darren Sproles. Should have kept Darren Sproles." Well, we got to new now one. you've got that quote unquote Darren Sproles like player. You. You can take that off the bucket list. All you people have been crying about all this time. You've got that in the arsenal now. Well, you know, there is no other guy who's going to play like Darren Sproles. But you've got a guy in Kamara so far who looks like he can not only run between the tackles, but he can also catch a pass, juke people out of their shorts, and make, you know, and here – let me back up a little bit. Here's the thing about what made Sproles so deadly for the Saints offense. When you had Jimmy Graham, when you had uh, Marcus Colston and Lance Moore and Pierre Thomas and all those players involved in the offense, Sproles helped everyone become a better player, and they in turn helped him become a better player because, okay, now Graham's line up in the slot, but Sproles is in the backfield. If we go after Graham and Graham runs that seam route and we send the safety and the linebacker to follow him, guess who's going to be open underneath? <laughs> Here comes Sproles underneath. And no linebacker is a fair matchup for Sproles because Sproles He's is going to kill him. So if Kamara can do that, okay, Kamara can take those little – five-yard dump-off passes, three-yard dump-off passes, and turn them into first downs. That helps Fleener. Fleener becomes now more of a threat. That takes the pressure off of Michael Thomas and Willie Sneed because now those guys will get the single coverage because the defense will be focused on Kamara. And if they not focus on Kamara, if they go into that soft shell (laughs) and keep everything in front of them, they are going to give up those seven, eight-yard plays. So now it's second and short third and short, instead of playing third and long, which when, if you think about the 2011 team with all those weapons, was third and long really a problem? Not really. You know, you know? I mean, because <laughs> you have so many people out there and that's that's the positive. Now, the key is he's got to become that threat. He can't just yeah. catch yeah. a couple passes. He has to consistently yeah. do this because teams will notice you doing this to him. So and it changes the way they defend you. Yeah. Why did Joe, Graham, we, we, I was say, why was Jimmy Graham's go. worst year in twenty fifteen? Coincidentally, that's the year that Sproles was gone. So now the defense can concentrate on Graham. So we, now Graham is drawing all the attention. I was gonna say, don't even get me started on AD too, Adrian Peterson. You figure, uh, you know what Adrian Peterson brings to the team. You put so many different players in the box. You know that opens up Mark Ingram, opens up Alvin Kamara. Now the Saints decide to throw. You know because Drew Brees will recognize, oh, they've got seven, eight in the box to stop Adrian Peterson. That opens everything outside. So it's gonna be exciting. That's for sure. Imagine, imagine that the 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 lineup comes in. They they come in there in their eleven formation. And they've got Peterson in there, but they've got Camaro now, and Camaro now in the slot. Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. And they break out, and now here comes Fleener. He's going to line up outside the numbers. Thomas slides into the slot, and you got Sneed and Camaro on the other side. Okay. Now we got Peterson back there, but look at all these. They have four wide. <laughs> we have to spread out. Yeah. And Peterson's going to come inside and probably run between Unger. And Warford or Unger and Pete, he's going to yeah. run between the tackles because that's where the, the defense is going to be the thinnest because they've got to spread out to rush the passer. Because if, if Breeze does play action pass and they suck up, guess who's got one-on-one coverage across the board? Who can make his read so fast? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's it's a lot of excitement. Yeah. Hey, it, it's what well, made Atlanta's offense work this past year. The yeah. bottom line with this offense, and it, it's some for some reason in the, I guess in the media, so to speak, it's, it's always so understated. But bottom line in a Sean Payton offense is weapons. And magic. Those are toys. 
He loves his toys. And matchups. So, it's about exploiting yeah, matchups. Absolutely. He is going to study that film over and over and over again to find where the weak spots are so he can match up his best player against your worst. Okay? And that's what you, he does. You want to look at the you want to look at the past few years? Why have we been seven and nine? How many weapons have been brought to bear in this situation? Yeah. Okay. Um, you had Jimmy Graham, and you saw Drew coverage and throw picks trying to get to Graham. What else was there? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. That's exactly then, it. That was exactly it. Then you bring uh, Cooks in, okay? Well, everybody on the defense knows that if it's, uh, if it's in a 15-yard uh, window there, it's going to be Graham, triple-team Graham. If it's going to be beyond that, you've got two safeties back there playing center field on Cooks. You just go to the side of the field that he's on. When yeah. you make a I, you know, I, I sound awfully simplistic in trying to to uh, to talk about this, but at the same time, it, it's really not that complex. The offense for the New Orleans Saints, not last year so much as the prior two seasons, but at still at the same time, you get one dimensional. How hard is it to defend? You've got a quarterback that throws for yards, but you win seven games. Mm -hmm. You you pack your defense up and say, okay, here's the goal line. Don't let them cross it. Anything in front of you is a bonus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, that that is that that is the that is the key. And It'll only work if, A, all the offensive pieces come together and produce early to get defenses on their heels early, and, B, that our defense plays well enough that they can force stops and not make Sean Payton feel like he's got to play Madden, basically. He's got to score in every possession just to stay in the game because if he doesn't score in his possession – we could fall two scores behind. You know, we want to be two scores ahead. So that that all these pieces have to come in. We'll see what happens in the next next couple of uh, next six weeks. We'll start seeing this as training camp opens. Sure. All right. One of the things we were Tyler. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Boy, somebody should make a script for this. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Tyler. Do you have any special projects that you're working on uh, in terms of the next little while? Uh, not Maybe not necessarily in terms of the Who Dish podcast, but maybe uh, in your writing. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you're working on that you would like um, to plug? Okay, well, um, I I'll plug a recent article, too. I just posted an article about the top five defensive ends in Saints history. I put a lot of time into that, you know, did some research, and uh, actually got a little help from Alan there, you know. Bringing me some names to look up, so I appreciate that. But as far as future no works goes, I've got a lot of different um, interviews coming up. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Game Time Saint. He was actually on NFL Network on um, uh, Tackle My Ride. I'm going to be interviewing him as as well as a few other people. So look out for those. But just trying to cover, you know, the latest Saints news and just give it the best I got, you know. And nothing real, super, super. Uh, special out there, but for those who don't know, you can always follow my work at Who That Dish. You know, just look for Tyler Raymond. So, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, how about your trusty sidekick? Do you uh, have any following information on uh, Mr. Dayton Brown as well? Okay, so I know Dayton actually has a top five article coming out this month. Uh, Who That Dish was really interested in about um. Getting, you know, really looking through the history books and uh, getting through various top five, top ten, and various positions. So I know he's going to be having an article like that come out. But as far as Dayton goes, I'm not quite sure. I think, you know, he always generally produces pretty consistent, pretty good work. But I know that that's one of his main articles that will be coming out in the next few days. But.
you know. Awesome. Well, uh, we thank you very much for yeah. being part of our show, uh, Tyler. As Glad to be here. Uh, and we have one, one brief segment that we're going to touch on before we, uh, we sign off. Um, okay. We're starting a new, a new series this week where we're going to go through the NFL division by division and mm-hmm. uh, kind of look at what we may be seeing in the coming season. And this week, our vision that we're going to be looking at is the AFC East. Uh, <laughs> oh, I've got a story for that. What? I'm going to submit to my esteemed colleague, Mr. Alan Ulrich. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, the AFC East basically is the best of times and the worst of times. You've got the Patriots at the very top of the division, defending the Super Bowl champions, and they're loaded again. They've made some incredible offseason moves. They've taken one of the best cornerbacks. They've managed to make a trade, get Brandon Cooks now for that receiving core. They look even stronger than ever. Um, They've got a pretty good running game now, uh, which they didn't have a bad one before. But when it comes to Bill Belichick, he's almost like uh, the, the anti-fantasy football guy. He, Whoever you think he's going to start, he's going to play somebody else. Mm-hmm. Then, on the other hand, is the New York Jets. <laughs> and the New York Jets are a salvage dump right now. And... During this fire sale, you've got players, good players that have let go. And they're going to take its place. So Lamont is driving around in the truck trying to accumulate draft picks so they can rebuild this team again. The Jets have been in fire dump. A, I'm sorry, a dumpster fire. Forever. I'm so excited here. A dumpster fire since 1968. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know what else to do about this. I mean, that's the Jets. That is who they are. Leave it to New York, right? Oh, yes. In the middle, you've got the Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills. I'm going to that game, by the way. The Saints-Bills game. I thought I'd throw that in there. That'll be interesting. The Bills are actually a pretty interesting team because the Bills Bills have a new coach, Sean McDermott, the former defensive coordinator for the uh, the, um, (laughs) – I can hardly wait till John's three things I learned (laughs) from the NFL this week. Uh, You're under the dome this week. but three things. You know, um, the the bills. The bills are actually trying to build something good. They fired the Ryan brothers, who celebrated their firing by getting into a fight in a bar. Leave it to them, right? Leave <laughs> it to them. Yeah, and then the Dolphins, who actually made the playoffs last year, they had a really good defense and offense. Yeah, but yeah. You, you never know what to get out of it. They're you yeah. know they're another box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to yeah. get out of this. Is hey, the quarterback? Stuff. Is um, is his defense going to take the next step? Because they really got handled by the Steelers in the playoffs last year. I mean, they got whipped on every level of the game, uh, and they have a good running back. Uh, yep. So, you know, it, it's all about what's their identity and can they put together, you know, a good, solid team. I think they have a good chance of finishing second to the Patriots. But, yeah, probably, you know, it all depends on how fast the Buffalo Bills gel under this new yeah. coaching staff, because I think they're going to be a nasty defense. Yeah, they an do. Aggressive, nasty defense. But you know, they got problems at quarterback. They got problems, you know, wide receiver position. Problems the wide receiver. Yeah. You know, they've got problems on offense. So they're going to have to win a lot of twenty to seventeen kind of ball games. Uh, and in today's NFL, I don't know if you can win a lot of games winning twenty to seventeen. I think yeah. you need to have more offense than that. And so that'll be – it's going to be an interesting challenge to see who finishes second. I'm sorry, go ahead. You recovered now? In, in a day in time, in a day, oh yeah, the uh, whole Sanford and Son hyperventilation thing, uh, I, I mm-hmm. think I'm better now. 
Um, in a day and time where the NFL is a quarterback-driven league, if you would, if you want uh, proof of that, all you have to do is look at the AFC East. You have Tom Brady and who? <laughs> no other. I thought you really froze. <laughs> No other team in the AFC East and maybe the Miami Dolphins. Ryan Tannehill. Yep. The more that you hear coming out of Miami is uh, less and less and less affirming of Tannehill in that capacity. <laughs> um, you've got the Miami Dolphins and you've got everyone else and <laughs> They'll jockey position in terms of three and four in that vision, but uh, until you destroy the monster, you're That's just going to take your place in uh, in the lineup, and and that's exactly what the AFC is. I don't see uh, status quo being such as it is. I don't see anything in the AFC changing until. Uh, Brady, check Brady, and or Bill pick whatever you want to get it. Until any of those things are changed, until the equation changes, you're not going to see any equation in the out. Excuse me, you're not going to see change in the outcome of the equation. Yeah, and you figure too. Even when um the Patriots uh, eventually uh, go away from Brady and go to Garoppolo, if they still have him, you know, if he doesn't eventually leave the team, um, it could still be a menace, you know, because look how Garoppolo is playing with the Patriots. But I could hopefully, you know, beyond the Patriots, I could see the Saints maybe going three and one in that division. That'd be nice to see, you know. But, well, I mean, you know, you, you, just looking at division in general, you look at how many coaches the Bills have gone through, how many coaches yeah. the Jets have gone through, how many coaches the Dolphins have gone through since Belichick got there. <laughs> yeah, you know, since Belichick got to the Patriots, how many quarterbacks has has those teams started, especially the Bills and the Jets? Uh, you have no stability there. Yeah. As a result, the stability for the AFC is the playoffs. It's always the same four or five teams in every year. It's always the Patriots, the Ravens, the Steelers, yeah. the Bengals, maybe. Well, Bengals just never win. The Texans, the Colts. <laughs> and take your pick, Broncos, Chargers. You know, the Raiders are coming into existence the again. Chiefs the Chiefs have gone. But, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying as far as – it's you know they did a thing about who what quarterbacks have played in the AFC Championship game over the past ten years. It's the same people. It's yep. always Brady, Roethlisberger, Flacco, yep. and when and Manning, Manning when Manning was around. Yep. You know, it was the same people over and over. You take that, go to the NFC. Oh, totally the NFC. It's constantly in flux. Just the NFC South, for example. So who's gone to the playoffs? Over the past five years, five to seven years, the Saints have gone three times since 2009. Four times, sorry. Yeah, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2013. The Falcons have gone. The Panthers have gone. It's only the Bucks who have been there since 2008. Uh, but they will get there. They're predicted to go this time. Yeah. The Vikings. Everyone in the AFC East is gone. Uh, I'm sorry, NFC East is gone. You know, all four teams have gone to the playoffs several times. So, you know, it's it's a lot different in the AFC, in NFC West. Who would you have in the West? You've got the Seahawks. Arizona. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the 49ers. Though, all three of those teams have been in the Super Bowl since 2008. All three teams have been to the Super Bowl. You know, only the Rams are at the, at the bottom of the division. The Rams are putting together a nice defense. Um, and in the AFC, going back to the AFC real quick, you know, who's always picking in the top five of the NFL draft? Oh, look. The Jets. The Cleveland Browns. The New York Jets. <laughs> the Jaguars. Yeah. You know, it's those same teams Games. every year that are picking in the top five. You don't have that in any other division. 
I mean, any other, I mean, you don't have that in the NFC. So, you know, it, it's, I'm not trying to belittle the Patriots, Brady, Belichick's accomplishments because I think they would still dominate even the NFC. Probably, yeah. But <clears throat> what I'm saying is, as a conference, the AFC has got a lot more problems and a lot more of the weaker teams than the NFC. Yeah. The NFC is a lot more competitive, and as a result, it's harder to make that run for the playoffs. You don't like yeah. we're talking about the AFC East. The Patriots can look right down their schedule and go, Oh look, the Jets, that's a win. There's a win yeah. down here. Well, Buffalo well, was, win win. Well, well while Alan tries to be politically correct, I'm not going to. I am going to diminish accomplishments of the New England Patriots because <laughs> if the New Orleans Saints played in the AFC East. Oh, it would be really interesting. Well, I, I'm talking about with the exception. I mean, you take <clears throat> and the Patriots and flip-flop. Yeah. Uh, the New Orleans Saints would be winning the AFC title every year. Yeah. Uh, okay, supposition being over with. The reason that I, that we started with the AFC East division tonight is because this is a division that we will, as the New Orleans Saints, will be playing this year. So each one of those teams is going to be relevant in terms of the New Orleans Saints moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't do well in 2014 or 2015. I think it was when we played the uh, – uh, NFC, I mean, AFC South. Um, we beat the Colts, but we lost to the Titans. We lost to, yeah. um, maybe we went one and three in that division because I think we lost to everybody else. No, we beat the oh, Jaguars. We went two and two. Two and two. Two and two. two, and two. We beat the Jaguars. We lost to the Texans and we lost to the, uh, to the Titans. And the Titans game really kind of made me mad because we really had that team beaten in the yeah. first half and we just let Delaney that game. Walker. Walker. Like, that crazy so Walker. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like after that catch. Yeah, it was like after that catch, the defense was like, "Oh, I guess we just can't cover tight ends." You know oh, I mean, I guess we're not going to try it. Yeah, yeah. That was, and, that was under the uh, the auspices of Brandon Doodoo Browner, so we yeah, have to let okay. that go. All right, Jerry's first. Twenty fifteen. Yep. Okay. All right, guys. Um, and and all do do, we're going to move forward. Yep. <laughs> uh, as far as me, uh, obviously, uh, until there's something comes along to change the narrative there, New England and then other three can jog for position, but none of the three. Uh, I like I like what Bubba is doing. Bring and. Uh, my brother Nick Harrison, uh, you can appreciate this. Maybe I hope. Uh, I like the fact bringing in a new coach, but until they get that, maybe not to the nth degree of a Jim Kelly, but until they get that question on uh, challenged leader on the field, they're not going to uh, Tyrod Taylor ain't. Do it. Right. I agree. I agree. Uh, right. I uh, unless they seem to somehow solidify Tannehill at that quarterback position, that's not going to happen. Uh, you can stack Indomitkinsu and the rest of those people up on your defense, but if you're not putting the ball in the zone and scoring, it's not going to do you any good. Uh, yeah. And. Uh, it, it's New England's division until such a time as they get hurt of carrying the crown. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, guys. Um, we have to wrap it up because it's getting to be about that time. I, I'm worried that I'm always worried if we go too far over, we're going to get cut off. Um, <laughs> so once again, want to appreciate you guys watching us. Uh, you know, we're going to look at another division next week, probably the uh, the AFC North. 
and um, we'll, uh, we'll we may even take the AFC North and the uh, NFC, AFC South at the same time to try and instead of doing one division a week, trying to uh, get this going before training camp starts up. We have six weeks of training camp. Um, as always, it seems, we'll, you know, even though it's a dead time for Saints news, something will come out, no doubt, and we're going to talk about that, of course, next week. Um, as always, we appreciate your attention. We appreciate your support. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Um, Tyler, they can follow you on Houdat Dish, correct? Yep. Yes, and also, as well as my Twitter, too, guys, you can follow me at Raymond Tyler M on Twitter. Houdat Dish is where most of my articles will be featured. As uh, Now, for Dayton, too, who unfortunately couldn't make it, you can follow him on Twitter at Dayton underscore Brown underscore. And, you know, just follow work at Houdat Dish. And our also, our official uh, podcast Twitter account is at uh, the WDD Podcast. So I know... We're trying to get our foot, uh, footsteps on you guys here, but um, that's where you can follow us there. So Good deal. All right, Tyler. We appreciate you hanging out with us. And, um, yeah, likewise. All righty. Hopefully see you next week. Um, uh, Sean, any last words? Uh, I regret that I only have life to live for my country. Uh, <laughs> oh. Getting ready for Fourth of July already, huh, Patrick Henry? I got you. I- I regret that I only have one life to live for my box of chocolates. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, guys. I'm going to go check out the weather and see what kind of what tomorrow holds for me. I've got everything battened down and tied down for a tropical storm. Um, Good luck. By the way, so, by yeah, the way hope, Alan, hopefully all goes well. Alan, in all seriousness, I want uh, all of our people to uh, – you know, we we like to have fun, we like to laugh and all that. But uh, you guys to uh, to pray for our, our friends in the New Orleans uh, Gulf South area for the weather coming in there right now. Um, you know, uh, my adopted hometown, Lafayette, supposed to get hit pretty hard. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, let's, um, let's let's keep all these people in our prayers. Right. All right, guys. Thank you guys once again for for watching us, and we'll see you next week on Under the Dome. Good night, everybody.